Welcome to the Church Safety Guys broadcast with hosts James McGarvey, Paul Buckner, and Mike Scully. Together, they make up the Church Safety Guys. Their mission? To inspire, influence, and impact church safety teams. Join us for the next hour as we talk about all things church safety and security. Don't forget to like our Facebook page, join one of our church safety and security communities online, and share this broadcast with your church. Well, good evening and welcome to the Sunday night broadcast of the Church Safety Guys. I am James and I am joined by my co-host this evening, Mike Scully. How are you, James? I was like, you know what? You actually you said my last name. I'm like, I can't remember the last time you actually said my last name on a broadcast. That's kind of funny. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure how to take that exactly. I'll, I'll well, because it's always Paul and Mike, and so uh, I don't think it ever goes to last names <laughs> like like in a natural flow. So I just I couldn't pick up. But I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> and yet, and yet another challenge to to make sure you're awake tonight. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I'm getting some sleep here and there. Every, three hour bursts is is really what it is. <laughs> Well, you, you guys, for, for those of you, uh, for those of you joining, uh, welcome. Uh, if you're listening to this at a later time, feel free to click like and subscribe on that lower right-hand corner. And uh, you can always visit us at churchsafetyguys.com uh, for uh, resources and information. Uh, if you missed last week, <clears throat> excuse me, last week, uh, uh, actually, has it been a whole week that, uh, crazy. yeah, so... Mike is a new dad and uh, he has not gotten any sleep in the last week at all. <laughs> but <laughs> Some sleep. But yeah. You know what? I've, I, I haven't had to, uh, I've had a couple of weeks off at church. So that has never happened. <laughs> so that well, part is your, good. Your wife has been posting some amazingly cute photos of, <laughs> of your daughter. And I don't I don't always say that babies are cute, but you guys got a cute one. So I'll, I'll appreciate that. that. <laughs> I'd, I'd put that all in my wife's department. <laughs> well, uh, this evening we're going to talk about legal considerations for your, your church safety team. So if you're, you're just joining us, uh, feel free to like and share uh, the broadcast and uh also, if you would go ahead and list what church you're with or listening, the area you're listening from uh, in the notes. And uh, as we go through tonight, if you have questions, we will uh, we'll try to get to that. Um, but uh, our guest this evening is uh, Mr. Robert uh, Bob Meter, and uh, he is a Christian husband, father, police manager, practicing attorney, and part-time college professor. So he, he does... He has a lot of free time, <laughs> not not really, but uh, he serves with me at my church. Um, some of his background, he grew up in Cleveland, Cleveland, Ohio, and uh, and wanted to see the world, so he joined the U.S. Air Force, where they immediately assigned him to the Garden Spot of Dayton, Ohio, and he served there four years as active duty military police officer, uh, followed by six years active reserve. Then he went into, um, well, actually, while he was on active duty, excuse me, he uh, served at Wright-Patterson. He obtained his EMT, paramedic, and OPATA uh, police certification. 
And then during that time, he volunteered as an EMT for the Butler Township uh, Fire Department in Montgomery County and later as a police officer in the village of Waynesville in Warren County. After separating from the Air Force, he worked for two and a half years at The Ohio State University as a paramedic. Uh, he was a flight medic in the U.S. Air Force Reserves, flying on both C-130s and C-141s. Uh, Bob joined the Columbus Police Department in 1990, uh, where he obtained both his undergraduate and law degrees from Capital University. And during his time with CPD, he has worked in patrol for 18 years, uh, all but one of those years in inner city and 10 um, of the 18 on third shift. He's been assigned to the legal unit as an aide to the deputy, to a deputy chief undercover with the former street crime attack team, property crimes bureau, and three different assignments at the training bureau, currently in the communications bureau. Uh, Bob has a small law practice with a, a blog and is an adjunct professor at Franklin University, and he is married with three children. So uh, I'll bring him in here. And hello, Bob. Thanks for joining us tonight. It's great to Happy have Sunday. you. Happy <laughs> Sunday. I thought we were going to have to go to a break before you finished in his bio. His, his credentials. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? He, I, I am very thankful. The only thing I'm going to say is I'm very thankful that Bob, I consider Bob a good friend uh, because we serve together at, at our church. And I'm very thankful I'm on the right side of the law. <laughs> Because usually when I when I mention or have the opportunity to mention his name, which maybe we'll get into a little bit later if we have time, um, people kind of look at me and they're like, oh, you know, that Bob meter. So <laughs> so he is well known uh, in his circles and outside of his circles. But I'm, I'm thankful that he's been a friend and we've we've served together for, I think, what, the last 10 years or so. I believe that's about the right. We were trying to think about when I came on board, but yep, that's about accurate. So definitely for sure. So let's start off tonight. Um, we just have some have some basic questions we're going to throw out there, and we'll talk a, more more about the the legality piece um, than necessarily law enforcement. Um, sure. But <clears throat> for churches that are are new. Uh, to the idea of a safety team or security team, uh, what would you recommend, Bob, as far as like a, the best place to start from a legal perspective? Right. I think the very first thing that you have to do is you have to sit down with your, how is, how is the church insured? And uh, you have to sit down with your insurance company and figure out uh, the best way to protect your, uh, your, your church uh, you know, we are, uh, we, we could talk about the violence, which is what you guys are trying to, you know, make sure that, you know, every church member can come to church, can worship and go home and do that safely. I mean, bottom line. And right now you, you only have to, to open up one news app, your local news app, a national news app, and you see the violence, you see the violence in your local community, you see it across the country, you see it around the world. We are in a very adversarial society. And it's not just violence. Um, why, why do you think we need so many attorneys? Uh, because people always believe that they're harmed and then they want to be compensated for that. Uh, 
Um, you, you just think of every church has has somebody that that slipped and fell or, you know, that they, they got injured at the at the at the kids program. You know, in yesteryear, we would have taken the kid and got got the kid checked out. It would never cross our mind to sue the church. But now that's that's a real concern. So when you're starting up a security team, you got to think about the worst case scenario and the worst case scenario would be violence, but maybe secondarily to that, you're talking about the church, protecting the church legally. So you've got to go to your insurance company. And then uh, I would look at look at that time, talent, and treasure. And uh, we could talk about that later, about how, how uh, we actually got connected physically at the church and how that interacted. But it was about the time, talent, and treasure. So maybe there's an attorney that attends church there that you can get some time, talent, or treasure out of that uh, may help the process along the way. And if it's not that attorney, because that's not their field, then maybe they know people that uh, that they could exchange services for or something along those lines. So to that end, uh, I would begin with your insurance company, uh, figure out, uh, take some guidance from them as far as what uh, what expectations they have, and then you can start to build the program. Sounds good. Mike, did you have anything you wanted to? Yeah, I, th I think from that perspective, it, it, it starts from a, I think churches that they think about their property, they think about their intellectual property, they think about their initially probably from a risk mitigation that then rises to the level of physical violence and threats to your point. So I think the, in the earliest stages, they always think about insurance. But are they thinking about insurance to mitigate against uh, less probable potential scenarios? And that's where we're, we're seeing folks that, that watch the broadcast, that reach out to us for coaching. And I think uh, certainly I think if we start from a risk mitigation perspective, insurance and the law are two ways to protect yourself on paper even uh, before you even put somebody there with a firearm to protect the physical property. Sure. And oh, go ahead, Bob. Go ahead. I was just right. going to say, and I was just going to say, what a, a firearm isn't the the end all be all of church security. <laughs> what? <laughs> right. Um, you know, and and when you're looking at protecting uh, the the church from those types of claims, you, you think of a very real scenario uh, of a uh, of of a of somebody who attended church that that they don't want to attend church there because they're uh, they're causing disruption, or in the very real scenario of the uh, of the couple that uh, has uh, split and th the child's there, and then the uh, it's usually the estranged father. I mean, that's normally the run of the mill, but it could be the estranged mother. Uh, yeah, I think we had one going on with a grandparent at church. Uh, that, that wasn't allowed to be around the kids. So then they come in and then you tell them that they got to leave and then they don't want to leave. And then that could, that could certainly result uh, in, in a lawsuit. Yep. For sure. I, I love, I love that the idea of, of reaching out to your insurance company, because honestly um, I'm actually, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm actually helping a church, uh, in Columbus right now that they're, they're trying to change their, their insurance carrier, um, because they're, 
um, when they went to them and asked them to set up a, a security team, basically, uh, the the insurance agent said, well, if you're going to do that, then uh, we're going to raise your premiums. I think it was like $400 per, per person in that ministry volunteering on that team. And so he came to me and he said, hey, do you know of any any great companies uh, in central Ohio that that uh, take care of churches? And I said, absolutely. Actually, we have one that that uh, that helps sponsor our, our broadcast and whatnot. But it's always it's always amazing to me, like people want to jump into the, the training aspect of it. So let's let's train. Let's let's set all this stuff up. Let's do this. And. Uh, a lot of times, the one of the first questions I'll say is, well, have you had a conversation with the church attorney or the church insurance company? And I get the deer in the headlights look where, <laughs> you know, they're just like, uh, no. And I'm like, well, you know what? They're, they're real living, breathing people. So pick up the phone and call them and just say, hey, I'm trying to do this with the church. What's covered? What's not? And um, that that helps out a lot because it clears your mind and gives your mind ease because, you know, basically because of the, the culture and the society that we live in now, um, like you, like you mentioned earlier, Bob. So having the, the reassurance that you know, what's covered, what's not covered is, is definitely the best way, definitely the best way to go. So it's interesting that not not just from that perspective, but you almost have to think about certain churches and say, when when's the last time you actually even had a conversation with your attorney, um, <laughs> frankly? And then for some, when's the last time you reviewed your policy and your coverage and what you're actually paying for and what is and is not covered and weighed against your current operations? Because churches evolve and change and grow. And they don't often review their policy because it just comes in. It's an email amongst a hundred, hundred other emails. And somebody who may have reviewed it last year is no longer there in that position. Therefore, maybe they don't even look at it. And so th this is something that should be part of an annual plan that says, review your coverage, make sure that you're taking adequate time to understand, is it, is it uh, suitable for what you're currently doing as a ministry? And then also, are there areas that you perhaps should seek additional coverage? And then what sort of legal guidance uh, do you need at the time? So you should put this on a calendar and make sure that this is uh, something that you start talking at least 90 days ahead of that renewal. For sure. And I think that the insurance company will, will probably have lawyers on their team, too, that may already have model policies uh, that, that they could share. Uh, you know, the model policies are just that they won't necessarily fit like a glove, but, you know, with a little bit of tweaking, they'll, they'll work. And you don't necessarily have to start with a blank word document and a keyboard. For sure. And I know we have um, our, our church insurance company is, is represented by brotherhood, brotherhood mutual. And um, they actually, they have attorneys on staff that if you have written your own policy um, for, for free, part of their, their services, they'll review it and make sure that everything is up, you know, up to code, up to standards. And there's no, um, there's no issues with that. Um, we actually, in, in our situation for, for the church that, uh, that Bob and I attend, um, 
actually one of the pastors and I wrote the policy years ago before they even had the models and the templates. And so I sent it, actually sent it to him the end of, of last year. And I said, can you guys just review this and tell me if something needs to be changed or if we're, if we're on good footing here? Uh, and they came back and they said, no, you guys are great. You did a fantastic job. So the fact that, um, the fact that you have an attorney or an insurance agent say that is to me is, is encouraging because that's, those are the folks that are going to go to bat for you. If something, if something bad happens. So, and that's a process. I'm sure for some, you, you, they write the policy after you have those conversations with your attorney and with your insurance agent. And sometimes you're drafting that policy at that point. Um, some may or may have too. They may have their coverage and they may have their policy that they're now trying to merge and look at, okay, is there a need that wasn't in the draft on the basis of things we do? Or is there things in the policy that we need to now make? with coverage limitations. In other words, drafting a policy about uh, operational procedure that says, this is how we're going to handle this type of situation because of the way what crosses the line from insured versus uninsurable. For sure. For sure. Okay. So let's, uh, let's keep moving. So the, the second question that I wanted to throw out to you, Bob, was uh, what is... <clears throat> I get, and I actually, I get asked this often, but what is an agent of the church? What does that mean? And why is it important from a legal or maybe even a, a law enforcement standpoint to make that distinction with folks in your church? Right. So there's the agency doctrine. And basically that um, if something happens, there's a lot of agents within any organization. Uh, and so you think of any kind of corporate structure, uh, the CFO is not the CEO, but still carries a lot of uh, a lot of authority. And if they put out a memo, they put out an email, the company's going to follow it, as opposed to somebody that's on the front lines. If they put out a change of policy, that's not necessarily going to be uh, effective. But yet they could go outside the company and talk and and uh, and maybe represent the company then they may be an agent of that. So that's what agency law is, that somebody that is speaking on behalf of the, of the, of the company. Um, so in this case, what we're talking about is somebody that's talking on behalf of the church. And your security team has to be agents within the, uh, within the church. And how does one become an agent? Uh, well, one becomes an agent uh, from the standpoint that that it's going to be in writing by the uh, uh, by the church, and I think this is a good time for me to make a a, a bit of a of, of a legal statement myself. So, what I'm what I'm providing today is legal information. <laughs> it's not sure. legal advice. Uh, I am an attorney. I'm an attorney, a licensed attorney in the state of Ohio. But even for those Ohio people, I am an attorney. I'm just not your attorney. So uh, <laughs> we are not establishing an attorney-client relationship by uh, this broadcast or podcast. So what um, what the, the the agent does? So there there should be a list within the um, within the church uh, that who is actually an agent. And it's going to be obviously all the assistant 
pastors or associate pastors. Um, and then when you get to the security team, uh, they have to be agents. And so um, the actual definition from uh, the Black's Law Dictionary is a person authorized by another who would be the principal, who's typically the pastor or in some churches it may be the board. Um, and that's to act for or in place of him or her. So um, the agency doctrine, uh, let's just say that you form a security team and you put Bob Meter in charge of the security team and I'm, I'm on the security team and then I, 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 I know James has got a background and, and, and Mike's got a background. I'm like, hey guys, wanna be on the security team? Yeah, we wanna be on the security team. Okay, you're on the security team. And then we have that incident where we got to remove somebody because, you know, the pastor's uh, talking and we have some protesters that come in or somebody acting out. You're like, hey, you got to leave. And they're like, yeah, I don't want to leave. And they say, yeah, you got to leave. And I don't want to leave. And then it gets physical. And ultimately, when it gets to court, we'll say, well, where does it say that that James or James or Mike or James and Mike or Bob, Mike and James are on the security team? We like, well, you know, it was back in 2015. We sat down. We said, hey, we're forming a security team. And you have notes from that meeting? No, we don't have any notes from that meeting. Um, after that, we uh, we went down and we had pizza. And then from there, we just started showing up on Sundays. And uh, then we got these radios. And, okay, but where does it say that, that Pastor Smith has given you authorization that you're an agent. So uh, I'm, I'm kind of taking it, I'm being a little lighthearted with it, but I'm very confident that that's the way many security teams are formed is they just sit around the table and they're like, okay, we're the security team. Um, you know, my uh, buddy's sister, she makes, she makes polos and we can get the, we can get the church em emblazoned <laughs> on the polo and say security, safety and security. Well, yeah, that's, that's not being an agent. Now they, now, now, ultimately, I think the courts would say you represented yourself as an agent, but that can get, you don't, remember, the less, <laughs> the less doctors and the less lawyers we have in our life, the simpler our life is. So um, you sure. always want to try to take care of that in advance. Uh, you don't want to try to prove that Bob, Mike, and James were all part of the security team. But the agency doctrine will say that Pastor Smith has, has authorized Bob, Mike, and James to be the security team is on file. It's regularly updated because, as we know, people come and go. Um, and then, you know, I know that in the past you've talked about training. You know, we're going to have to train these folks. We're going to have to document that training. In fact, that's uh, – uh, I don't even know at whatever point that James – because I, I come to church in my police uniform. I don't even know when he found out I was an attorney, but all of a sudden he said, hey, we're doing a training day. And I actually had a class that I, I presented for others and I was able to tweak it and, and give it for the church security team. And then we even took that one step further and went physical with it. So we, we did some physical training. So, but that's documented. You know, we know who was there. We know how long the training was. And of course, none of it was last year because it was last year. But, um, but actually, I did pull up. We, the last training we did that I did was in December of 19. So, yep. Uh, I was that the one we did at the police yep. academy? No, that that was the one that uh, that we did at the church 
Um, oh, right, right. Okay. You, yeah. you spoke was, and I yeah. spoke. <clears throat> right. There were some other people that spoke too, I think. But yeah, that was a that wasn't a physical training. But that but we still documented who was there, what the training was about. And uh so when that comes up in what we call discovery, uh we'll be able to produce those documents. And that's definitely something I think is unique, certainly for safety and security teams, uh, because it, for those that are, uh, I would say, um, doing it the right way, i.e. operating it as a fully functional ministry within the church, um, that they're just treating it like yet another ministry. And I don't, I can't necessarily think of another group or another ministry in, in most churches. Yes, there's probably some, especially those that are, are more external or have outreach or perhaps are speaking or operating at prisons or other sorts of things. But most ministries on a church basis probably don't have agency in that sense. Um, yeah. they're, they're there, they're serving, they're part of a team, but they're not authorized to speak on behalf of the church. Well, and that, that assumption, honestly, and, and I'm just being honest and transparent, that's how we operated our, our safety and security for years. Bob, Bob's laughing because he knows it's, it's true, but you know, he, he and I, I think at one point we sat down and um, we sat down with some of the pastors and, and I, I'm, I don't remember when that was, it was several years ago. And, uh, you know, we, we kind of said, okay, what do we need to, as a whole, like as a whole ministry, as a whole um, entity, what do we need to do? What are recommendations to improve stuff? Like what, what are some, some bullet points of things that we definitely need to, to work on and focus on? And one of the things that, um, that Bob mentioned right off the bat was, Hey, do these guys and gals that are serving, do they have any authority to act on, on behalf of the church? And we all kind of looked at, <laughs> I remember it well, we all kind of looked at each other around the table and we're like, well, <laughs> sure we uh, do. Yeah, I, I trust, I trust, you know, I trust James with making, making decisions based on what, based on his experience, based on this, based on that. But we, at that point we realized that it was like, okay, we are behind the, the, the eight ball on this and and we need to fix it quickly. And, um, you know, one of those, one of those, I guess, aha moments where we said, you know what, here's, here's the reality of it. Someone needs to be able to make a decision, um, in the best interest of the church when your pastor isn't available to make that decision. And, you know, you might not think about that, but if, if your pastor is up on stage preaching and something happens, then who's who's going to make that ultimate judgment call on behalf of the best interests of the church and and that individual needs to be or individuals need to be trusted and um you know that needs <clears throat> that credibility needs to be established so that pastors are comfortable saying you know what when i'm behind my pulpit this is what's going on i'm preaching i'm focused on this and you know you're you're handling and you're keeping an eye on everything else to make sure everything's running smoothly. And there's no, um, there's no issues with that. And to be perfectly honest, um, and we may have time to, to chat about it here in a little bit. Uh, but, uh, we had a situation not too long after that, that it basically came back down to, uh, Bob and I making decisions on the fly 
And I don't say on the fly, like ill plan, but we had a situation where we had to address it. And so that made all the difference in the world because, you know, we were able to, to do it that much more efficiently um, and make decisions without having to go grab people and, and, um, and do that sort of thing. So. And I think there's two degrees there. I mean, you get, <laughs> you got to have what's documented for purposes of, of legal and into your point, Bob discovery. And so that list is at least there, but there's got to be a broader discussion internally as to say, well, what, what does that truly mean? Yes, they can act, but what are those actions? And when are those actions then warranted? And what what triggers then invite those actions to then be the response? And so all of those things, I think, need to be a discussion that certainly is, is had. But I look at this and say, many may document a list or, or not be required to document a list for their insurance. They just actually acknowledge the fact that they have a volunteer team. Those volunteers are essentially quasi-employees operating on behalf of, but may not have agency in that true extent. This is a layer above for those that are watching. This is a layer of more detail of, of legal uh, protection that you want to make sure that is clearly spelled out um, with you yourself. Uh, if you're just, uh, you know what, you're just serving on a, on a safety team, you want to make sure that the church acknowledges not just that, hey, here's a shirt and yay, we appreciate that you're serving on Sunday, <laughs> but you actually have the ability to do this. This is not pouring a cup of coffee for somebody. And I think that's yeah. the difference. The level of responsibility that the individual takes when joining a safety team is not simply strapping on a gun and showing up on Sunday morning. There's a lot behind the scenes that I think a lot of people don't think about. Right. And I think that goes back to what you, what you referenced, which I, I didn't even get to, is about your policies. And that's why you start with the insurance company and you find out what those, like you said, what, what are they allowed to do? To what level can they do it? Um, you know, I just always tend to think of uh, when when the, the security team has to uh, tell someone to get out. And, um, uh, you know, that's, you know, you have, um, yes, the, the church is private, but then you're, 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 you're potentially entering into the Constitution. And, uh, James, I think it's good. This may be a good time to unpack what happened, I think, from a practical application. You had a couple more questions sure. for me, but... I, I don't know if we want to give about two minutes here and get to that story. Yeah, let's go ahead. What we can do, let's go ahead and take a quick break and we'll come back and then we'll jump in that story and then we can we can move forward. So uh, if you're listening at home, we're actually we're talking to uh, Robert Bob Meter. Uh, he joined us, Esquire. He joined us tonight and we're talking about uh, legal considerations for your your church safety or security team. Uh, we will be back in just a minute, so stay with us. Don't go anywhere. With over 50 years of experience with religious and nonprofit organizations, Thomas Alexander Insurance and Associates understands that your congregation is different from a traditional business. We're here to fulfill your needs, coming to you while creating a personal plan for your budget and size. From your local community to around the globe, we are advocates for you. Thomas Alexander Insurance and Associates, your partner in service.
The worst has happened. Evil has invaded the sanctuary. Lives were ended, and the life of every surviving member of your church has changed forever. There will be funerals to attend. The grieving and the counseling will go on for years to come. You may even lose church members, especially if your pastor was killed during the attack. But what if I told you that all of this could have been prevented with the proper training? That your church could learn how to secure its campus and how to see the signs of an attack before it happens. At Shield Force International, we will teach you the skills you need to protect your church, to protect your children, to mitigate and even eliminate would-be threats to your church body all before it happens. We can no longer pretend that evil doesn't exist or that churches aren't targets. Attacks against churches and pastors are on the rise. Call or visit us online for a free consultation. Leading a church safety and security team requires more than showing up on Sunday mornings. It requires competent, engaging leadership. To operate a successful church safety and security team, it must be built on a solid biblical foundation. Be driven by a thorough system or structured framework and repeated consistently. Have you been tasked with starting or running a team? Have you inherited an existing team that needs a leader? Do you feel like you are running in circles or burned out executing tasks weekend after weekend? Then you need the all-new book from James McGarvey and Mike Scully. Engage, Train, and Retain. Embracing the Church Safety and Security Lifecycle to Take Your Team Beyond Sunday Mornings. The Church Safety and Security Lifecycle is a six-phase system created by the church safety guys specifically for leaders serving in church safety or security teams. It offers a practical leadership model so leaders can engage and inspire their volunteers, train and influence their team, and retain their talent. So leaders can thrive, not just survive. So leaders can succeed, simplify their focus, and truly impact church ministry. This is not simply a startup checklist to do once. This is a repeatable framework of learning, discipleship and understanding, and applying a heart of ministry in church safety and security. Pick up the new Church Safety Guys book, Engage, Train, and Retain today, and take your team beyond Sunday mornings. Church Safety Guys is a nonprofit organization dedicated to help inspire, influence, and impact church safety and security teams. We are about all things church safety and security, which starts with a ministry mindset and a servant's heart. We're protectors, guardians, ambassadors, and shepherds. We help church and place of worship safety and security teams all over the United States through our broadcasts, online communities, conferences, trainings, resources, and products. 
Help us reach more churches in impactful ways by considering becoming a monthly ministry partner. $2, $5, $20 a month will help us continue to provide these resources. Welcome back to the Sunday night broadcast of the Church Safety Guys. Uh, Mike and I are here today with guest uh, Robert Meter Esquire, and uh, we're talking about legal considerations for your your church safety and security team. Uh, Paul is actually out of town tonight, uh, so he he couldn't be with us, and I'm sure he's he's regretting it or streaming it online as he drives. But uh, anyhow. Uh, again, Bob, thanks for joining us tonight. And uh, you wanted to jump into to talking about um, the faithful day that we got to know each other better. <laughs> right. Well, I think what it does is it, it, it applies application to what we've been talking about. And we sure. can talk about this uh, for a long time. And I know uh, time is tight, but I think that uh, we, we should go through the story and then maybe back up and talk about the things that were in place that made it work. So sure. I think that it, it's best if you lead off since uh, of, of all days, uh, I was party <laughs> to church by about five minutes. And, uh, and James, uh, of course, you'll has never, my phone number. And you'll was never texting and calling. And, and was, uh, so I knew something was different today. <laughs> on that day. So I'll let James set it up because sure. uh, I, I walked in and then, and, and again, uh, for your listeners and viewers, I, I go to church in, in my police uniform. The church is within my jurisdiction of the city of Columbus. And I do that every Sunday. And then I direct outbound traffic. Uh, and then I, I leave from there. So I am there for really the, uh, the security part. And, but uh, I, but my every, every Sunday I, I do traffic control as the church empties out onto a main road, main surface road in Columbus. So, um, with that, James, I think you should, uh, just tell sure. the story about how, why you were calling my phone. Sure. So I actually, I, I wrote about this in, uh, in the book that, uh, that we just released engage train and retain. And I kind of left a lot of it out, obviously for, for certain reasons, uh, for privacy reasons and that sort of thing. But, um, the story's in there. So I, I wasn't, uh, we have a rotational schedule, uh, for our team. I wasn't on the schedule, uh, that day, believe it or not. And, uh, so what happened was we, we were running, uh, we're one of the few churches in Southeast, uh, Columbus that actually, uh, ran a bus ministry. And so we had a, we had a bus ministry and, um, I had just grabbed a cup of coffee. I was walking through the church and um, one of uh, the guys on our safety team called me and he, he uh, was blowing up my phone and he said, Hey, I need you to, to come out to the bus for a second. And I said, okay. So I, you know, I jogged across the church. I walked outside and I, I got on the bus and there was a, a woman there uh, that had just started coming to the church and she was, she was in tears. She was crying and um, two, actually two of my safety team members were with her. And, and I, 
I said, okay, hi, I'm James. What can I do to help you? Uh, what's, what's going on here? And so she told me a story. She had been um, several years before she had been approached by individuals and there had been uh, an attempt at uh, kidnapping. And they had, I, I believe if I understand the story or remember the story correctly, they had actually abducted a friend of hers. So the two, two women were walking, um, they grabbed one, they tried to grab her, they couldn't, she escaped, she went and called the, the police, the police responded. Um, and I believe what happened, the police ended up um, through a course of time catching those two individuals. And so um, fast forward a little bit of time, uh, she had moved several locations to kind of get away from these individuals and their families and whatnot. And, uh, and so um, she had started, she had been drawn to our church by one of the Easter dramas. And so she came to church, she got saved, she decided uh, she wanted to start bringing her kids to church. And um, so she started doing that. And this particular Sunday, she went to get on the bus and um, an individual that she recognized as a relative of one of those two guys uh, approached her as she was getting on the bus. And so she kind of had a meltdown, uh, but she was like, you know, get away from me. I don't want to have anything to do with you. So she, she came to church and she was really upset uh, at that point uh, about this family approaching her. And we really didn't, I mean, honestly, I still had my cup of coffee in my hand. So I, in my mind, I'm thinking this is just going to be kind of chat through. Nothing's going to happen. We're, we're going to be fine. And um, so I, I talked with her, you know, a little bit, was able to calm her down, uh, asked if I could pray with her. And she said, you know, absolutely. So I think the four or five of us on the bus prayed and um, we went to, to get off the bus and to go into the church, into the service. And she said, you know, she said, um, I'm really concerned because they said they were going to follow me here. And that kind of caught my attention. And I said, wait a second, you know, how, you know, tell me about that. How did they say that? And and she said, well, they, they noticed the name of the the." church on the side of the bus. And so, you know what, Google's a great, great resource, right? So they, they, um, she said, you know, they're, they're going to, they're going to track me. They're going to find me. And I said, you know what? I said, I don't, I don't think they're going to do that, but go ahead, sit in the service. Um, we, sh we shifted gears a little bit. And, uh, I spoke to the, the gentleman that was, that was in charge, uh, that day of the safety team. And uh, we, we actually had someone sit with her, a safety team member sit with her through the service. And so at that point, um, because of the, the concern and because of the threat, our senior pastor was actually in the Philippines and uh, he, wasn't, he wasn't around at that point. That's kind of the point when I started um, calling and blowing up Bob's phone because I'm thinking, you know what, it's better, better safe than sorry, right? So, and, and he said, Hey, I'm on my way, you know, I'm, I'm running, I'm running a few minutes late, but I'll get there and, and we'll talk more. So I kind of gave him a rundown and, and not so abbreviated history of, <laughs> of what was happening and, and this, this story and situation. Um, but uh, what it, honestly, what it came down to was uh, within minutes that this, this family had decided to show up at the church and their whole intention when, when 
when I researched it and of course talking to Bob was that the next day, this was Sunday, the next day, those individuals were to go before the judge. And so when we pieced all of this story together, we basically came up with, look, what, what is happening here is this family of, of uh, individuals that have been charged with this have come to the church to try and find this individual and um, intimidate her or connect with her in a way that she could possibly alter or withdraw her testimony. And uh, I, you know, I'm not a, I'm, I don't know. I certainly don't know the law as well as, as, uh, as Bob does. And I know a lot of firearm law, et cetera, but I'm like, you know what? I just, this doesn't sound right. And so <laughs> Never, I'll never forget when I'm like talking this back to Bob on the phone, he's like, well, that's witness tampering. That's against the law. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, well, yeah, that then it, then it kind of clicked in my, my mind. And so the, the folks got there and uh, I remember going up to two of the individuals. Um, we had them sit in the back of the church. We found them seats. Um, two of the individuals came up to me and I'm five, I'm about five, nine. Both of those guys were like six, three, six, four. And so they're like towering over me and probably three times my size. And uh, I, I kind of, I leaned back, I stepped back and I said to one of the guys, look, I said, we don't, we don't want any issues here. Um, if you want, if you want to talk to an individual or talk to a pastor, you're welcome to after the service, but to, to get there, you need to sit through the service. And so they said, look, we're not, we'd like to talk to that individual. And I said, well, I'm not guaranteeing that at all, but you need to sit through the service. So they said, okay, we're not trying to cause problems. We'll sit through the service. Uh, so they did. And that's, that's pretty much to the point where Bob came in and, and I said, you know, we kind of, we kind of talked about it. So I'll throw it over to you at that, <laughs> at that point. Right. Well, and what the suspects, uh, I only remember one suspect, but he had not only kidnapped, but sexually assaulted multiple different women. None of the, none of the victims were available. And that was what the prosecutor, uh, when I talked to them, they were very concerned because none of the other witnesses or victims were available. She was the last one. And so, Right. They uh, they would articulate that they wanted to come and pray with her to have her forgive him because he was getting sentenced the next right. day. He had taken a plea bargain and he was going to get sentenced. And so that's when James said, well, they, they just want to come and pray and ask for forgiveness. And I said, well, that's an F3 uh, uh, witness intimidation uh, uh, of a, intimidation of a, of a crime witness. And uh, so anyhow. Uh, uh, we, we, uh, developed a plan and they wanted to talk to her. She, at that point, she was out of the sanctuary. You had put her back in a safe yes. location in the church, which was a really good move. And then I called some of my friends, uh, with the police department and, uh, multiple, and we put them in, uh, we had classrooms that were empty during the service and put them in there. And then, uh, I went around the corner and James and the security team said, okay, she's ready to meet with you. And they were very excited about that. And then they, they got up and uh, they uh, walked uh, into the uh, classrooms where uh, the officers were there and we detained them based upon the felony that they were in the process of committing. And what I, what I think that that's important there is that had they had been removed uh, in a struggle or what have you, because we're going to protect that young lady, 
um, that James and the security team had the authority. They were agents of the church. They had been trained. Um, I was at scene, so had it gone um, violent, um, you at least had an extra set of hands. And we had some of my friends that were there, too, at the church at that point. So, um, it, so I think that to help underscore what you guys are trying to accomplish here is that after you get your team formalized, you should always reach out to local law enforcement and try to sit down with them and see what their expectations are. If they have maybe a liaison that works with the churches, and even if they don't, you talk to a shift supervisor, you probably wanna to talk to the first shift supervisor and the, and the second shift supervisor, because you have evening events, and uh, just talk to them and maybe touch base with them a couple times a year. You have a big event at a church, um, invite the officers over, tell, you know, tell them in advance so that they could send a car over. Um, they'll, you know, uh, law enforcement's always looking for positive community outreach and that's a great way to do it. You, they don't even have to, they don't have to do anything. They just got to show up and the, and the community's already there. And so, um, that's the way you want to start to develop that relationship with uh, local law enforcement. And, uh, because of that, that worked beautifully. And then that night, just to put a, put a bow on it. We were able to get her secured at a hotel um, and then went in the next day. And I think he pled to 13 years. So it, he was looking yeah. at some serious yeah. time. And so they, you know, their mission was that was their relative and they, they loved him. And irrespective of the recidivist felon that he was, they didn't want him going to prison. And uh, <laughs> that's where he's safely at right now. And I mean, there was, a, there was certainly... certainly a lot of moving parts with everything and uh and several different aspects i know one of the individuals that came um had a, a pretty extensive extensive uh history with law enforcement and not in a good way um and for for sure there was a lot of um i i wouldn't say i wouldn't say necessarily drama but I think there was a lot from, from the, the woman's perspective, there was just a lot of moving parts. And certainly she didn't know how we were going to respond. She didn't know about a safety team, you know, what that means or anything like that. But the reality of it was, you know what, we, we had the opportunity. We took care of her the best we could. Um, we removed, you know, removed her kids safely. We had people with her, we had people with the kids. And I think that, uh, that helped as well. So Mike, you were going to jump in there. Yeah. I think the amazing story, I mean, first off is, uh, now I get to meet the face behind the story because, uh, James and I had certainly talked about that when the book was in process <laughs> and, and I remember bits and pieces of it. Um, but I think the big part there is, is that you, the established relationship that James, you had and others had, whether it be with Bob and others on the department, with the local church here in that sense ahead of this incident so that the first time somebody in uniform was arriving on the steps of the church for some sort of call it wasn't like all right who's this church safety guy okay and and does he have authority they're not asking that they're there to solve a problem they're on an active call so at that point that you're it's too late to try to be building a relationship 
as they're right. coming in hot, so to speak. So I, I just really comment on that is that the, the establishment of that, and Bob, you referenced it, I think a lot of community affairs divisions, uh, certainly with uh, many city departments, uh, I'm not sure how many from a sheriff's department perspective potentially have that outreach uh, there, but many have a community affairs arm or they'll have a, a branch that, that deals directly with the outreach of the local PD. They do, they do the things like the coffee with a cop and the, the block parties in August and other sorts of things, national night out. So those are the types of departments that you want to start with if you have nowhere to start. And then from there, uh, as Bob mentioned, re reach out further is try to actually understand who's, who's got the beat of your church, who typically covers Sunday mornings in your district and understand who, who the likely first responding officer might be if you have an active call on a Sunday morning. Um, and, and it's good to know that, but it's also good to know the supervisors and, and what's going on there. And that way they know about it before on this a perspective them in and getting to know your building and lots of different aspects of that relationship once you establish it. So just wanted to comment on it because that could have played out a heck of a lot different without that relationship. Oh, it, it could have. And I think one of the, one of the things too, and, and I, I think we did, a, I did a video and I know Paul did a video a couple of weeks ago uh, about the same topic, but one of the things too, is just remember that, you know, law enforcement, as much as they want to serve and want to be a positive, uh, positive presence in the community, you know, relationships go much further so if I have, a, you know, my relationship with Bob has, hopefully he finds me a trustworthy, incredible individual, but getting to know him on a, a, on a regular basis before something happened, he knows that if I call him and something's odd, then, you know, okay, you know, we have the, the puzzle to solve here or something's not right versus, you know, I, I don't call like I, I wouldn't call Columbus police or I wouldn't call them and, or any law enforcement agency and be like, hey, you need to come to our church. You need to do this. You need to train us. You need to because they I mean, they have enough going on already. And obviously, like like we've talked about before, they, you know, with culture being the way it is, they're they're underfunded, underpaid and um, certainly often not respected as as the hardest job in in America. So, um, I mean, developing a relationship or starting, I think starting a relationship with individuals, um, is always, is always probably a, an, an easier way of connecting with law enforcement and having them come in. And, and if you can establish that relationship, then, um, you know, it would certainly be, it would certainly be mutually beneficial. So one, yeah, one other one other small point here is that our church physically is very large. James, how many square feet is it? Do you know? Um, it's it's about one hundred and fifty thousand square feet. Right, and so one of the one of the things that uh, I I uh, encouraged James to do, which took a little bit of time, was to get every door numbered or lettered, and uh, just because when you and it's probably a little more for for EMS because they're going to be more common at the church. But if you have, if you have one of those really bad situations, what door do you want them going to? You want them going to the C door on the West side of the building or what have you. Yep. Um, but uh, we have a lot of doors to our church 
and uh, James got that done. That was uh, well done by James. But yeah, I, I saw that as something that we needed to get done because an officer just coming there, even though you may have a connection to the officer, he or she might be off that day. You might have somebody that, that doesn't normally work that area. When they get there, you go to the west side of the church, the door door letter C. And, you know, I mean, well, that, we have, as I would we often have, joke, even fire departments can figure that out. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and that can be notated in the file, too. I think a lot of, uh, yeah. I, I know a lot of police departments will actually take that dispatch down for a certain address, phone number, things like that, where they know any sort of incident that's occurring at this premises. Here's some background notes and so forth to that. So dispatch can let responding officers know, hey, this is the nature of this incident. Go to the Charlie door. Right. Yeah. Yep. Very good. And yeah, we've we've done or we've we've worked on that and done that, and I know um, we've had responding agencies. Actually, Madison Township responded uh, with with a, to a medical emergency, and I asked the the um, uh, the officer in charge if they got that. Like we specifically said, "Hey, come to this door." And I said, so when you, when you received the dispatch, did it say that? And he's like, oh yeah, absolutely. He's like, you've got 22, which we do 22 doors on the, on the outside of the building. <laughs> he's like, so it saved, you know, it saved me a lot of time trying to figure out where, where to get and, and how to get there quickly. So for sure. Well, uh, for sake of time, um, I th throw one last question out from, uh, from one of our listeners that, that just came in. Um, Bob, do you think there's a valid reason to use the term security or safety uh, to define your team and, and define your ministry? Uh, I don't I don't really think that the, the title of it is going to have that great of an impact. I think that that that's something more for your insurance company, what they would like it titled at. What are they sure. going to cover? Uh you know, I, I guess you wouldn't want to call it the outreach ministry team because that's not going to really, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, frame it as to what it is. But uh, I mean, I would definitely work with your with your insurance company, but sure. calling it a, a specific finite title um, from a legal standpoint, I don't think that it's going to matter. It's going to matter about the policies, the procedures, and, and, and how you interact. Sure. I think the added component there is uh, one unique thing is here in the state of Texas, uh, the legislature has specifically gone out of their way to uh, actually define uh, church security and the security aspect. And for the longest time until I think about two years ago, um, it was actually, unless you had a licensed um, trained team, you could not actually call yourself a security team. And so officially it was a safety team. Um, they've pulled back on that. I think the, 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 the law changed in 2019 slightly. Um, so in a volunteer capacity, non-paid, I think there's an opening to be able to still use that term, but also understand that while there may not be a legality in your state or there may not be something related to your insurance policy or some uh, specific legal reason, um, there may be reasons behind it. If you think about the term, we yeah. use them pretty interchangeably. But to me, safety is more encompassing than just security. 
um, in the sense is that safety is kind of the umbrella. Security is one of the operations or one of the things that you might do under the umbrella of safety. You also want to look at it from a perspective. What is the persona of your church? What type of neighborhood? What type of location are you? Are you an inner city church? Are you not? What does the connotation of a safety team tell your potential volunteers versus a security team? What is the ch charge and scope of your team that you're allowing them to do? What agency are you giving your team? Um, are you fully uh, allowing them to do that? Because to me, that's a completely different spectrum of are you responding to cuts and bruises, slips and trips and, and lost children? Or are you dealing with disruptions, ejecting somebody who, who may have been formally trespassed in the past or, or worse? Are you dealing with active threats? And there's a, there's a full degree of that and it can still all fall under safety. Well, and one, one subtle point there is that if you're transitioning or you have different people in charge of different parts, all of your paperwork uh, from what the, the pastor budgets on the budget I line item budget to your policies and procedures to your to your uh, uh, your your uniforms and I don't know if we call them uniforms but their uniformity uh, all that should be consistent. One shouldn't say safety. One shouldn't say security. Uh, that 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 should all be you know that should all be congruent throughout. So uh, that it's Absolutely. not all. You know, especially if you're transitioning, you change church, change church names, whatever, and one church called it one thing, you're calling it different. There's different documentation. Make sure it's all consistent. Very important. That's great. And part. all those policies and procedures should be dated. They just shouldn't. Ha they just shouldn't be there. You should. Yeah. You know that gives a a clue as to when they were last reviewed and updated and signed off on by the pastor. And every time you change. Pastors, not assistant pastors, but the the primary pastor. All those things need to be uh, updated with the new pastor. Yep, yes. almost a version control, even beyond just a date. I like to see a true version control for each policy. And it, while it may not necessarily all be a single document, you may have an individual policy that can change. Uh, it'd be good to understand that and say, okay, as of this date, this is how it changed and maintain that. It shouldn't be a, a Word doc stored somewhere digitally that keeps getting updated and you lose the old version uh, because you overwrote it. Uh, there should be versioning of it and know that, okay, we evolved the policy. Here's the context, but then also for background, store something maybe not in the document, but the context. What was it that caused the resulting change? Why did we change this policy? Where where did that come from? So that three, four years, new pastor, whatever down the line, new security director, understand the context under which that policy was applied because otherwise you may uh, either unwind it or not understand the true spirit of why that policy was updated. Right. And like the, the law you referenced in Texas would be that, you know, would, would be that reason, you know, potentially. Yep for that change of policy. So they wouldn't want to change it back because, oh, there's a state law that says we have to do this. So yes, very, very good. You're spot on. Cool. Well, I would love to, uh, love to have you chat longer with us, but uh, for sake of time, um, we, we need to wrap stuff up, but again, thank you. Thank you, Bob, for your, your time today and for, for jumping in and being willing to hang out with us. We appreciate it. 
Thanks for the opportunity. Thanks, Bob. Do you want, uh, actually, in closing, um, how, if, if anybody has a question or they're interested in your, your blog or website, how would they, how would they find you? <laughs> so like, like uh, the church safety guys, I have a niche too. And my niche is arrest, search, and seizure for Ohio law enforcement. So I know you're reaching many states here. Hopefully you're reaching all 50, but uh, uh, mine's just for the great state of Ohio. <clears throat> and it is objectivelyreasonable.com. And I'll repeat that, objectivelyreasonable.com. And I regularly post uh, blog posts on uh, legal updates for Ohio cops. And there'll be there's some in there for that would fit for national uh, law enforcement. But it, mine is focused on Ohio law enforcement. And you can get a hold of me through that website. All right. Thank sounds you. Sounds good. All right. So uh, real quick, next week, I think just to... Um, just to wrap up next week, I think we have uh, a recording. Actually, uh, Mike and Paul and I got a chance to talk to Jason and, and Heather White. So we'll be playing their their recording. And the Whites are actually in Florida. They have a ministry where they, they help missionaries uh, with being prepared, emergency preparedness. And uh, they do help churches as well. But um, crazy, crazy situation. I believe Mike was actually a U.S. Marshal. And his wife uh, is or or was a, a CSI technician, and they actually met before they were married on a crime scene, and uh, and got married, and then have a, have an awesome family, and and are serving as uh, pastors down at a church in in Florida. So we'll have that recording next week, and um, I am going to be on the road next week in in Tennessee and Virginia, so. Um, taking a taking a break, so hopefully uh, hopefully I'll get some sleep more than than Mike. Hopefully Mike will get <laughs> get some sleep. Too. I'm sure you so, will. You get some nice fresh air in the mountains. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I we're we're planning on going to um, the uh, Smoky Mountain area and then Virginia Beach. So I think it'll be nice. I think it'll be a lot of fun. But anyhow, uh, for for more resources please feel free to, to like and share uh, share the the broadcast if if you're looking for a particular topic or information on a topic um, you can always visit our YouTube channel uh, because we have all of our previous recordings on there um, share share it with your teams and uh, if we can ever help you out in any way please feel free to, to reach out to us through through our website at churchsafetyguys.com and um, we will, you know, do our, do our absolute best to, to help you or, or, um, you know, we get, we get a lot of folks that reach out and just want to, just want to talk. And that's great too. Like how, <laughs> how do we handle this situation? Or I have this, this, uh, type of situation going on with my team. How can I best handle it? So we're, we're here for you all. And, uh, we're just blessed to, to be able to, to minister in this capacity. So, um, other than that, Mike, you want to add anything before we? No, I think it's great. I think, and that's and that's one of the the best parts about what we get to do here, and and we're blessed to be able to have that opportunity to help people, and and that they're uh, reaching out and seeking that guidance and and input, and and certainly we 
we relish the opportunity to not only serve our churches, but serve together from this capacity on this broadcast and reaching others. Um, so by all means, you got a question, uh, feel free and reach out. Uh, we're happy to chat. Sounds good. All right. Well, we will see you next week. So until next time, take care, have a great week and God bless. Thank you for joining the Church Safety Guys broadcast. We hope that you found it informative and we appreciate your feedback. Looking for ways you can help us reach more churches? Share our broadcast with your teams. Consider becoming a monthly ministry partner. Like and share our page and join the discussion in our Facebook groups. Visit our website at churchsafetyguys.com for other great resources. Remember to keep a servant's heart, a mindset of ministry, and semper disciplina. Always be training. Have a blessed week.